Hey y'all, welcome to Ergo. It's Kiss. Uh, Damon is out at Freedom Square as always. Um, and we're continuing our kind of recorded series. Uh, this week we have a special kind of different episode featuring a piece produced by our associate producer, Chris, who's been helping us all summer and is going back to college this week. Um, he produced this great piece uh, last semester at University of Illinois Carbondale. So we're going to hear some thoughts from him and then that piece today uh, for today's episode. But before we get into that, here's a couple community announcements. Um, first and foremost, uh, Freedom Square, the ongoing occupation and community building space at Holman and Fillmore that we've been talking about for the last few weeks is still going. Day 21, uh, we need your help and your support and your love. So come through. Um, you can find out more uh, on Facebook, Freedom Square. Or just come through Home and Fillmore where they're 24-7 and we could use your hands and your heart and your love. Um, also, uh, Neon Pajamas, or Ben Pizzani, who provides the instrumentals for Ergo, has a new book out. It's his first book. It's called Paper Wind. It's really cool. I was just taking a look at it, so definitely cop that. Uh, it's on Amazon. You can also just follow him on Twitter or SoundCloud for the info. Neon Pajamas. Um, in addition... I mentioned this a couple weeks back, but Ergo is going on tour this fall and spring. We're going to college campuses across the country doing a talk about the show. Damon leads a community organizing workshop. I lead a radio workshop. And then we host a concert where we bring two or three folks who have been on the air before with us to perform. So if you got a lead at your college or university or are interested in making this happen, hit us up ergoradio at gmail.com or just get at us at Twitter at ergoradio. Um, and we'll figure out how to make it happen, but we can really use your support in making that work, making this sustainable, uh, and, uh, you know, keeping the show going. In addition to that, we do, as always, accept donations. Uh, you can find the PayPal link on our website, ergoradio.com. You can also join via Patreon, which is kind of an ongoing donation uh, every month, kind of like a subscription type thing. Again, you can find that at ergoradio.com. Last thing, Party Noir space, you know, creating uh, room for celebration of black joy in the city better than anyone else, pretty much. They have their regular party this Saturday at the Promontory. Come through, have a good time, enjoy uh, the summer, and enjoy today's episode. Chris Cannon, our associate producer's piece from last semester. Before we get into that piece, let's hear a little bit from him talking about his experiences working for the show here with us and then how the piece came together. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, so my name is Chris Cannon and I'm going to give a brief summary about my experience here with Damon and Daniel this past summer. Um, it's been so much love just from the gate, like from the get go. It was just like, yo, what's up? I'm Daniel. I'm Damon. Uh, welcome to the show. Man, be a, it was just like chill. It was like I could come through. I could be myself. I didn't have to worry about anybody like looking at me weird. Like it was none of that. So when you find that in Chicago, you have to give appreciation to it because it's not everywhere. You gotta. That was the rose in the concrete for me this summer. So I appreciate that. Gotta give a shout out to Mr. Matthew, my teacher, who had helped me with everything pretty much. Like he put me on to the connection that I have with Daniel and Damon. Like he let me know like, yeah, if you want to go work with this, 
definitely talk to them. Like they'll help you out, and he put me in. He put me in touch with them. So shout out to him for that. Like my summer wouldn't have been as bomb as it was without that. So shout out to him. Yeah, I just want to talk about my favorite experience, my favorite moments I had this summer working with Ergo. Yeah, like it had to be the Daniel talks. Coming in and meeting with Daniel, it was just like something I wouldn't have imagined. Like I thought it was going to be like these people who are like really organized and uh, they had all their stuff together, which they did. They did have all their stuff together. Don't get me wrong. But it was just more chill than I had thought it was. I thought it was going to be this this really business-heavy environment, but it was a lot more people-friendly. So when I came in one Thursday and Damon wasn't there, he was out of town, me and Danny was just talking, and he, he put me on to this big L and uh, Jay-Z freestyle on the radio station that was like doing things other radio stations wasn't. And uh, he put me on to, like, how passionate he was about this whole thing, like, about radios and about getting people to share their stories. Like, it was, like, mind-blowing because if you can meet somebody who's passionate about something, like, imagine talking to Michael Phelps about how much he loves swimming, about how much he loves going out and competing. Like, that's what it was, like. He sat me down and he explained things that I hadn't even thought about. Like he said, he started from a, a cornfield, like a handful of listeners, and he he was happy, like he loved it. If you can meet somebody who go in front of five people, three people, two people, one person, and give a great show, just do everything like it was a million people, dude, that's awesome. Like, so shout out to Daniel. Shout out to Dana for giving me these opportunities this summer. So now I'm going to talk about the podcast that me and my friend Diamond Ruffin had made uh, at the University of Illinois. It was it was for a class project. Uh, it was the final. We had to get it done. And, and it, we just had a lot of fun making it. So shout out to Professor Molina who had pushed us to, to make it. And uh, the podcast was about sexual harassment and... Basically, we went around the campus getting a whole bunch of people's uh, thoughts and opinions, and we got their, their stories on, on what happened to them, if something happened to them. And you'll be surprised at how many people wouldn't mind telling you their stories. Like, I don't think I got any no's. I'm still crazy at, at how many times you walk up to someone and be like, yeah, have you had anything to do with sexual harassment have you seen anything go down and most of the time you get a yeah like that's crazy like it shouldn't be that way so here's the podcast i hope you enjoy it to me street harassment is street harassment is i would just say that anything that makes you feel uncomfortable or disrespected so it could be anything from like sexual harassment verbally physically or anything calling them out their name or like whistling at them mostly sexual comments like cat calling um to me Street harassment is happening in the street that make people feel unsafe. Hey guys, this is Diamond. And Chris. And our podcast is focused on street harassment. I know from the intro you're probably thinking street harassment is all about sex, but it's more than that. Street harassment is anything that is unwanted and makes you feel uncomfortable. 
It also doesn't just happen on streets, but in dorms, bathrooms, classrooms, etc. So how relevant is harassment at UIUC? We set out to see what people thought about the campus. Here are some of the experiences people shared about their run-ins with different kinds of harassment. Um, I've experienced and seen it, especially within the Q fraternity, how they, they come up to girls and they bite them at parties without consent. They touch people without consent and it's something that's just like overlooked and we never talk about how it actually makes people uncomfortable or just walking down the street, how people feel that they have the right to make comments about somebody else's appearance. That's something that I've also experienced on campus. Like, oh, smile, you'd be so much prettier if you smiled. It's like, I don't want to smile. Just to be clear, this is not all about the cute fraternity, but no. some parts of it. No, I think some of the behaviors that the cues do, I think that it's a prominent example that people can recognize as street harassment, but it's stuff that we see in individual behaviors ranging, you know, that everybody of every gender does. And mostly, well, at least from my experience, I've experienced from a man coming on to me as a woman, but, you know, women do it too. And it's something that's overlooked all the time because it's like, it's not that serious. Nobody's actually touching you. I had people yell, like, um, things about me being Mexican and stuff like that on the street when I was walking, so. Personally, I feel there is a large um, occurrence of street, street harassment through the images that I see, um, including former the former mascot symbol, um, the chief on multiple sweaters. I've also heard of many occurrences of street harassment from my peers, um, one such um, occurrence was specifically on unofficial. Um, a friend of mine was walking down the street and had an empty bottle of alcohol thrown at her and she was called a spick. I have people pull up to the side of the curb, you know, trying to talk to me or if I'm walking somewhere, they get out of the car. I've even had people get off public transportation trying to follow me to talk to me. Do you think it's prevalent on campus at all? Yes. Um, I wouldn't say it's primarily the students here. It's probably people who live in the city of Champaign and other people who come to visit. And the fact that it happens so prevalently, um, I think like even walking home sometimes it like makes me like more alert and like kind of scared. On a scale of one to ten, like how uncomfortable are you with that type of behavior? A ten. I'm very uncomfortable. If I tell you no thank you when you continue you to follow me, I feel like my safety is at risk. So as you can see, people have different experiences of street harassment at UIUC. Next, we took the topic to the Women's Resource Center to see what they had to say about the harassment on campus. Well, I think we see street harassment in, um, manifest in different ways depending on where you are on campus. Um, my office is right next to Green Street. I think Green Street's also a spot in which we see a lot of street harassment. And part of that is that Green Street is an area of campus where there's a high concentration of people. Um, and it also revolves around certain times of the year. So um, I know, for instance, like during events like unofficial on campus or these kinds of events that kind of glorify um, drinking culture, that glorify um, like fraternity 
and party culture. Um, we might see things like um, heckling and harassment from even balconies to the people below, comments on um, people's bodies and um, other types of sexual harassment become a little bit more prevalent, especially during those times. For those of you who don't know about Unofficial, it started in 1995 when bars decided to celebrate St. Patrick's Day early because it fell on spring break that year. Calling it Shamrock Staggered, 10 bars and champagne sponsored the event, and in 1997, it earned the name Unofficial St. Patrick's Day. Of course you know it was all for the money. Now, enough about that. Here's more from the Women's Resource Center about how power plays a key role in how street harassment is seen. Pay close attention to how she explains the socialization of this behavior. When we talk about things like street harassment, we're going to talk about it like a gendered crime because when we see who is harassing more often, it's those in positions of power and usually in that sense it's people with privilege around gender that would be people who are cisgendered males, right? So we see that a lot um, more often than the other way around. That isn't to say that people um, who are cisgender women or people who have different gender identities or people of different races don't also participate. Um, but it does mean that sometimes these are moments that people enact power that they've already been kind of granted through society. Um, men are also socialized to um, to kind of verbalize their uh, opinions of women and women are socialized to seek validation around the, about their bodies from men, right? So. Um, so men, as much as there are encouraged to, for instance, be the first to ask somebody out or be the one that's supposed to sort of initiate, um, that same kind of culture of evaluating and initiating others is certainly um, something that we see socialize. There are many more egregious examples of this in our past than there maybe are in our present. Um, I'm thinking even to when I was growing up, there was a terrible TV show on MTV called The Man Show. There used to be a parade of women. So they, there'd be these men sitting on couches and these women would come through in bikinis and then they would evaluate their bodies. So they would say like, you're a 10, you're a nine, you're a five, you're a whatever. And of course, like this is just like an egregious display, right? Of, of chauvinism, of like, of, of sort of an evaluation of women's bodies, whether women are good enough. Um, and it was completely endorsed and put on public television. <laughs> so, um, so it was put on um, for general consumption on a, a station as accessible as, as MTV. So we can see things that like are really ingrained in the culture around, um, around street harassment or the kinds of harassment that we think are permissible. I've worked in other places and in other communities where um, women have somewhat internalized the experience of street harassment, um, consider it somewhat part of the culture, and then when they don't get harassed, are like, do I not look good today? Or like, what's going on? Because they're so accustomed to this being to this happening every day um, that it actually starts to concern them if they don't get street, street harassed. Um, and we're not talking about the harassment that feels obviously negative, but things like smile or how are you? Hey, baby, like all these kinds of other types of comments that um, at face value might seem benign. Um, but over time um, can also construct an environment in which women are demand, uh, demands are made upon women to like be polite and to, um, to carry a kind of light and um, polite affect, to be happy, um, and to do that for the, for the benefit of, of men, right? So we kind of see that that relationship emerges sometimes that way too.
Do you think it will be more acceptable, like, if men approached women in a more respectable way? Hmm. I think what we have to kind of change the way that we engage one another um, on a gender level, um, but but also on a sort of basic human level. Like, unfortunately, we exist within cultures of racism and sexism and homophobia and everything. So when we see, um, when a woman is told over and over again, smile, please smile, what's wrong? Are you okay? You look like you're having a bad day. And it's not really, are you okay? Like, there's not actually a genuine interest in like, are you all right? Is everything going okay? It's much more like, it's actually bothersome to me that you're not smiling. And also, you know, men are also socialized to, to within hetero, heteronormative like culture to please women. So if you're not smiling, that also means like, that's also kind of on him. So then he feels this like need to be able to say, well, why aren't you smiling? Smile, you know, all these sorts of things. So I think that our relation, our gender relationship needs to be disrupted to where we can have open conversations. Um, we can feel comfortable, you know, walking up. But unfortunately, women are also socialized to, um, to hide their discomfort. Um, women will be very uncomfortable and still say, okay, thank you, or like be very polite and still maintain niceties even if they feel unsafe or uncomfortable because they've been socialized to be polite, to keep to themselves, um, and to not express um, anger, to not express concern um, because it's unladylike or it's for whatever reason it's been ingrained um, that that's not what they should do. And that can, um, creates a really unsafe environment, right? Yeah. And of course, it's not just those who identify as men and women who are impacted. People who have more marginalized identities, people who are gender fluid, people who are transgender, um, and especially non-binary, people who are of size, um, people who have disabilities, um, you know, they're more likely to receive harassment in a lot of different ways. So if you can imagine, too, that like harassment is kind of a power over someone else, like you owe me a smile, smile right now, <laughs> like these kinds of things, um, that even, even those things that appear nice end up becoming part of um, kind of a harassment culture. And I think that's sometimes where we start. So the Women's Center just recently had um, Tatiana um, Fazladizade, who is a street artist out of, I want to say Oakland, don't quote me. <laughs> <laughs> Turn it off. No, I'm kidding. Now, for all of you who don't know about Fazla Lisa Day's campaign, here's some of why she started it in the first place. I started it because I wanted to talk about my own experiences with street harassment. I wanted a way to speak out about my own experiences, um, but not just do it in a painting, which is how I usually work. I'm an oil painter. I wanted to do it in the environment where street harassment actually happens, where I experience this stuff, which is outside, walking down the street. Um, Someone comes up to me and says something very crude, very vulgar. Someone grabs me. Someone does something very violent and aggressive. Someone sexualizes me in an assertive and aggressive way. I wanted the work to be out there where that happens to me. So for more information about her and her campaign, visit her website at www.tlynnfaz.com. Now, here's more from the Women's Resource Center. They really dig deep about how street harassment and rape culture go hand in hand. So I remember a few years ago, um, during Welcome Week, a fraternity, or a, not fraternity, but some sort of 
organization down the street had a banner um, off the side of their apartment that read, um, dads, you can drop your daughters off here. And it's like, this is such a part of what we would identify as rape culture, right? It's such a part of like, you know, this culture that treats women as commodities. Whoa, 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 whoa. I know what you're thinking. Rape culture at U of I, how do we combat something like this? Well, Women's Resource Center definitely have you covered. We just finished up Anti-Street Harassment Week, which is a big week of programming for us. So our students did a lot of organizing. Like I said, we had Tatiana here talking about the issue. And we did this as part of Sexual Assault Awareness Month because research has shown that those who are um, willing to harass are also people who might be willing to stalk, are more likely to be people who are willing to commit sexual assault. Um, so there's a lot of connection between those issues and in ways that we don't always um, pay close attention to. So our theme around Sexual Assault Awareness Month this past um, month, the month of April, which we're still in, has really been to talk about the little things, you know, the things that we might dismiss as benign, but that actually help construct rape culture. The Women's Resource Center provided a different perspective as professionals. They deal with street harassment related issues on a daily basis as well as other problems students may face. Because of this, they are a great resource for anyone, not just women. Along with the Women's Resource Center, the LGBTQ Center as well as the Counseling Center are great resources too if you're dealing with issues of any kind, not just street harassment. Me and Diamond want to thank you all for listening to our podcast. For those of you who didn't die of boredom, we hope you reach out to the Women's Resource Center and become more conscious of how we treat one another on the street. Once again, thanks for listening. Have a good day or night, wherever you are. There it was. Big thanks to Chris Cannon for all of his work this summer with us, keeping Ergo moving, helping us figure out some, you know, professionalism for once. But no, it's coming together and we really appreciate it all the work that you've done, Chris, um, and, and more importantly than that, just your presence, keeping Ergo going. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next week with another strong young voice from Chicago and beyond. Eventually, we'll get back up into the radio radio station um, once they're done fumigating and such. Uh, but for now, catch these podcasts here. Share it with three friends each. That seems like a good kind of call to action. Follow us on Twitter at Ergo Radio. On SoundCloud, same thing, Ergo Radio. Come through Freedom Square, Fillmore and Holman. We could use your support. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Peace.